I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced and more restricted than ever, Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced and probably more restricted than ever, Adam Nicholas, <laughs> although maybe not. That was that one year back in 2011. Anyway, <laughs> Michael, as the black guy Pete say... Tonight's going to be a good night, my friend. <laughs> that will hopefully make more sense later on. <laughs> good Lord. Either way, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Instagram or Twitter at Podcast Horseman. You can also, if you're feeling like you want to, follow either of your hosts while you're there. Why not follow myself on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas? Or if you'd like to follow Michael Hamlet, you can find him at Michael Hamflit, and you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where we would encourage you to subscribe. You can listen on Spotify, where we'd love you to follow, on Acast, where we'd like you to subscribe on there, on Amazon Podcasts. Fantastic. Now we are aware that we are on there and available pretty much at this point, absolutely everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, obviously, we love five-star reviews. You can say something nasty, you can say something nice, but a bit of text and five stars through either Apple Podcasts or Spotify helps us get up the charts, helps us do better, helps us talk ourselves horse about talking horse with as many people as we possibly can. And for those listeners that have heard before and if not where the hell have you been and um, we encourage people to write in their five star review to pick one a week to be entered into the hollywood talk of fame we will read out the feedback on the show however for season three all we are asking for is a simple retweet it's been great this season to see the podcast link that gets uploaded every friday to the at podcast horseman twitter account get retweeted by people get shared we've had a, a a nice modest uptick in listeners as a result so we thank you all very kindly for those shares and one of you lucky sharers will be one of our season three inductees later on in this episode. Absolutely. I think it's been a raging success, this new approach. I'm fascinated to see what you're going to do for season four, but that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> oh, God. Let's, go, let's solve another one of our problems, the synopsis for this episode, by going across to Netflix, shall we? We are on season three, episode nine. It's best thing that ever happened. Bojack meets Princess Carolyn at Elephante leading to a night of soul-searching as they help the staff impress a food critic. And as we may recall, Michael, when we left Bojack last time, things were not all rosy amongst our usual quote-unquote good guys, were they? No, things had gone very wrong, specifically in the relationship between Princess Carolyn and Bojack Horseman, due to a complete and total 
professional breakdown. Um, and speaking of professional breakdowns, let's briefly go back to 2007 in the cold open where Princess Carolyn is uh, reading Variation, the newspaper version of it, of course, because it was back in 2007, with a headline on long feature on the Bojack Horseman show being a total disaster. Obviously, it's that pilot episode that we know that was horribly received pretty much from the opening second. Um, she's trying to uh, keep it light during a phone call with Bojack himself. She's trying to suggest that he not read any of the papers, that he go out and just enjoy the day. But he's already completely inconsolable. He knows it's a total disaster. And he asks her to come over because, quote, I need you. Uh, she arrives at the site of Bojack laying flat on the floor with a pizza box on his face. He's used food and booze and pills and a cocktail of all of the above just to try and get over it, but they've not worked. He, uh, he curses himself for using a mockumentary format, saying, quote, it's already an overused trope now in 2007. But she does the traditional Princess Carolyn slapping some sense into him, as she would with any of her clients. We've seen her do this sort of pep talk before and kind of fools him, as we've seen Bojack often be fooled before, into thinking that it's actually the people who are at fault, the viewing public, <laughs> not him. What he did was a work of genius. It was just them that couldn't possibly understand it. He snaps out of his uh, funk almost immediately as a result and then rather insincerely compliments Princess Carolyn's looks before kissing her. She resists. She sort of gently pushes him away. Um, she says she's his agent, but he gradually talks her around effectively. His compliments have got, you know, a tiny bit more um, flavour to them than just her looks, but it's still pretty superficial stuff. Anyway, we fade, not cut, we fade beautifully to the next morning as the sun is coming up in there. Uh, Bojack's bedroom and Princess Carolyn is in bed, um, arms folded, staring out while Bojack sleeps, speaking to nobody but herself. She says, don't you break my heart, Bojack Horseman. This startles him awake ever so briefly, asking what she said. And she says, oh, nothing. I was just being wistful. And he simply says, can you be wistful a little quieter? Not everybody is interested in your whist. And then as she sits there saying, yes, Bojack, sorry, Bojack. Uh, just before the credits hit, he just drops in with a, you smell nice. He says, thanks, Bojack. Um, a lot there. Uh, a little snapshot of 2007. It always hits when they do a flashback of any kind. It's never wasted. It's always for a purpose. It's always for something big, even in something relatively little here. They're quite conscious of the, how much time to dedicate to this. Um, but from last week's low ebb of the present day, we were sent all the way back to just a different, but the same low ebb 10, 11 years ago. Mm, back in 07, things were not as good <laughs> as we might have wanted them to be either, were they? Um, have we ever just had a nice flashback? Have we ever just had a flashback there where we came back out of it and thought, yeah, I feel better off for that. I feel like I feel that was nice. I feel like that was a lovely thing to get a little glimpse into from the past. If we had one of them, it would be give the implication that the characters learn anything from these painful <laughs> life lessons, and they never do. They never do, irrespective of who it is. I think the one true content, of course, yeah, is just Bojack is, of course, a piece of shit, Michael. <laughs> and... Um, he, no different in 2007 and just it's so heartbreaking seeing the way he like plays on Princess Carolyn's emotions and the way he manipulates her with with his words despite the fact that the majority of them are absolutely shit on top of that <laughs> um that's just to call call it what it is um but you can already see this is such a great example of just how big of a hold the Bojack has had on her even as far back as 2007 it's a Something that obviously she is conscious of even then suggesting that the, if the professional crosses over to personal, which it clearly already has by this point, there is a, a certain sense that this semi-sexual relationship is established between the two of them. She's mindful of that and yet kind of gets lured in all over again. And the three uses of 
full name, well, not full name, but name and Bojack when he's just talking to him just before mm. the, we cut to that opening credits. It's just really like, there's a real like, I work for you vibe to that, isn't that? Like, yeah. I am a robot. I will say, yes, Bojack. Thank you, Bojack. How high, Bojack? Like, mm. it's it's very well done that and it, it really does hit home. That's a great observation. It's more as if she's on the phone to him, even though she's laying there right next to him. All of yeah. a sudden, the relationship has gone back to what it would be if she was back in the Vigor offices doing her work for him. There is no let up from the personal tragedy. Uh, the episode starts proper with the 2016 graphic to let us know that we're back to present day. Um, there he's, Bojack is in Elefante. He's uh, tapping his fingers on the table because he's waiting for Princess Carolyn. Uh, <laughs> she comes in late and fakes a phone call with Barack Obama to try and explain why she's running slightly behind. Um, then immediately, trying to get the jump on what she knows might be coming, starts to apologise um, and try and make good for the sort of three-pronged disaster that was the last episode, all the jobs and roles and things that Bojack lost as a result. Uh, Bojack is visibly angry with her uh, and kind of uninterested with what she's got to offer. Um, but before they can really get to the meat of their conversation, they're interrupted by the waiter and, as it turns out to be, restaurant manager Sandro. Uh, Sandro is a charming and intentionally broad Italian stereotype of a man. Uh it's so broad that, as they always do brilliantly in Bojack Horseman, Bojack sort of pulls at the thread of this, noting that he's been in the USA for 30 years and he couldn't possibly be so, <laughs> like, for the want of a better phrase, like, off-the-boat immigrant, as they are portraying him as here. Yeah. Um, it's always brilliant when they use Bojack's complete cynicism as a bit of a meta joke on this traditional trope. But Sandro persists all the same with all these countless this is myriad stereotypical Italian references. Uh, there's a bit of daft interplay uh, between all the three characters. Uh, and we learn that Sandro is very nervous because there are there's a critic in tonight. There's a critic in the restaurant. Um, Bojack had no idea, even though obviously he owns the restaurant. Uh, and he just assumes, as Princess Carolyn sort of chastises him for suggesting, oh, well, how would you not know that Sandro is going to be under the gun tonight because there's a critic in? He just assumes that Sandro must love having total control of the restaurant, leaving Sandro to admit that he does. Of course, Though his wife, kids, and therapy man disagree. Bojack blows past what he might be doing to this man's life completely. Um, and Sandro leaves. And before, again, Bojack can really get to the point of what he's brought Princess Carolyn here to do, Princess Carolyn tries to wriggle out. Um, Bojack pulls out flashcards with notes on, strongly implying that she's about to get fired. That kind of, there's no easy way for me to say this, all those basic platitudes that he's trying to open up with, try to depersonalise the relationship between the two. And um, she clocks this and dashes off uh, to the women's bathroom immediately. Um, there's a bit of random back and forth with a woman in a stall who is listening to him. It's a listen to Princess Carolyn. Even in that moment uh, when the woman admits that she was in Greece at school, uh, Princess Carolyn learns that it wasn't a very big part, so she's kind of wasting her time in the conversation. So she comes out of the bathroom. She sneaks around the restaurant very cartoonishly, you know, which is allowed in a cartoon, um, and like sort of manages to get to the bar and strike a deal with Sandro. We don't quite see what that is, but she gets back to the table and Sandro wheels over a ginormous cake that has already had a massive slice cut out of it, which um, Princess Carolyn then sort of improvises a celebratory 23 <laughs> years working together celebration, as if we've not all celebrated 23 years of working with somebody. She pathetically improvises a stream of consciousness song, which again, in the exact same tone, Bojack refuses to acknowledge as being a thing that is actually happening. He knows this is... Like, it's quite impressive because for a man that kind of lives for trying to get away with the bullshit he does, it's 
temperature is incredibly high, always. It's always set to maximum, and it's just the same here. He has nothing to do. You mean you've never sang the song? 23 years, <laughs> we've been together 23 years. <laughs> Look, I'm waiting for one job, or Nicholas, podcast, hint, hint, to justify that cake eventually being made. Maybe we can get some more episodes of this made. We'll get RBW on our finale, and then we'll ask, listen, can you knock out 23 more years of episodes? Because we want to have a cake one day. 23 years with you? Are you mad? <laughs> Have you I lost your mind? <laughs> I don't know. You really should ask my suffering wife who was only halfway through that sentence. Uh, anyway, yes, she's uh, done a pathetic job of trying to convince Bojack that that's what this is all about. Hang on, Princess Carolyn with me, yeah, not your wife. <laughs> oh, yeah, not my wife. Yeah. <laughs> Frustratingly, she doesn't want enough to do with Bojack at the moment. That's one of the reasons I've got this podcast on the go. She has no choice to listen through the walls. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bojack coldly sort of cuts the whole thing dead and says, you're fired. There's no shock and heft to this line because it's been inevitable since Princess Carolyn arrived. She knew it. Bojack knew what he was wanting to get to. Um, but before Princess Carolyn can respond to the new news, Sandro does in one of them fantastic, wacky sitcom misunderstanding gimmicks. Sandro dramatically overreacts, assuming that Bojack has fired him. And for about 10 seconds, Bojack tries to do that thing where he gets a word in edgeways so we can explain this misunderstanding. But Sandro gets so angry and hard-nosed about it that he basically threatens to stab him with the cake knife. So Bojack fires him for real this time. He says, <clears throat> now you're actually fired. Um, a series of Italian malpropisms and stereotypes follow, and he storms out, taking with him just about every single member of staff in the kitchen. All of them are gone. That's made very clear that the entire staff are just marching out the door in a background gag as Princess Carolyn tries to wriggle out of getting fired. She first tries to downplay it and no-sell it completely. She just starts talking about new film roles that are available, mentions some other pitch. Um, but Bojack, kind of seeing what she's doing and knowing enough from his time with her, just returns to the flashcards, uh, which they do a little gag here about some of the flashcards are mixed up with his uh, jokes that he's got planned for the roast of January Jones. Not a gig he had, but something else that <laughs> turns against Princess Carolyn for saying, look, if Jason Sudeikis had been sick and my agent had made the right calls, maybe I could have been on the roast of January Jones. Um, that derails them ever so slightly for a minute, but then they get back on track. And the codes, the cards know, amongst other things, quote, you take me for granted and... Our relationship has no professional integrity. He is not in around here, and it's quite unpleasant to watch. Um, he goes to leave, um, but Princess Carolyn presses him more outside Elefante at the restaurant. Um, every time he goes to the valet to get his car, the valet is a dog. Princess Carolyn throws the keys, and the dog has to go fetch, which keeps buying him more and more and more time. But it just breaks into a proper row at this point. The row about how Bojack is screwed up over and over and over again. And the more Princess Carolyn talks, the more she talks herself out of wanting the job back. It's like, yet again, the realisation has hit her that perhaps Bojack is more hassle than this job is worth. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's uh, all, the, all the things that Bojack has screwed up start to then bother him. All of a sudden, he gets the hump that, hang on, how can this possibly be turned around on me? How can it possibly be my fault? And as she storms off to go and get pissed in Elefante and drink her sort of anger away, he follows her back in, uh, and then we get another row in the restaurant. The episode is about to take sort of another turn with more plot. So what was your thoughts on the opening stages of this, you're fired, I'm not fired, I quit type dynamic that they're establishing between one another? They do really well here to kind of delay the inevitable. We know very early on, especially like, especially given the end of the last episode, actually, that this was inevitable. 
Um, I love the left turn gag with Sandro. I just thought, what a great <laughs> way to do this. Because this, again, just although it was a gag, as is always the case in Bojack, highlights the bigger issue here. Because this is Sandro, whose whole life is just not quite there because Bojack is a piece of sh- who doesn't care about <laughs> anyone else but himself. He's, he's almost giving them a little cry for help here when mm. they're talking at the table. And he just ignores that because he's so caught up in his own stuff and having and wanting to fire Princess Carolyn. And when he has the audacity to whip out the line about a lack of professional integrity, man, oh. you just... They know what they do. Obviously, we know Bojack can't see. He's got the blinkers on all the time. But this is just what a way to set, to set the the whole goddamn thing alight. Just like honestly, from going outside and watching Princess Carolyn realize, actually, no, I'm actually quite good at what I do, and I've put up with this idiot for quite a long time. Maybe it's I should believe in him. Maybe that's and all of a sudden you watch because the ego strikes. Princess Carolyn goes back in because she's made peace of it, and he's not quite settled about it, is he? Suddenly he's now chasing her because he wants to get the last word. <laughs> I love that in an episode that we quickly become aware is going to be about a row between these two characters, a row that has had to come, um, not just off the back of the last episode, but off of like longer, deep-rooted issues between the two, that that Almost draws... 10 years in the making at this point. 10 years in the making. That draws quite a clear line between the things that are going to come up in the heat of the moment and the things that Bojack is prepared to say and the, those cards of the, of the tell. And the fact that he has sat down in a moment of quiet and thought to commit those words... Or um, what was the other one? You, you take me for granted. The fact that in his moment of pause and thought, those are the things he summoned. Say more about Bojack than anything that he can yeah. do spontaneously. And he's going to go on to say a lot spontaneously. But it is at this point that uh, a waiter, a very panicked waiter, notes that he is the last member of staff standing. The kitchen <laughs> is completely empty. The restaurant is effectively now facing a crisis. Of course, there's lots of other customers on the table, as well as the critic that we established at the start of the episode is sat in the corner of the room waiting to be served. Bojack just makes him the chef, assuming that he can do the job, uh, and then goes to the bar to continue the row with Princess Carolyn. Um, they're kind of still going back and forth. The dialogue, I, I couldn't write it all down, obviously, but there's you know a lot of dialogue to pick up on it. Um, Bojack says at one point, you like it when I'm a mess because it makes you feel good about yourself. Um, Princess Carolyn responds with, you have never not been asking me to save you. And what's interesting about this is that obviously there's going to be various things they're going to say back and forth to each other. There's going to be things they've already said. But that one in particular I thought was notable because um, whilst Bojack is saying that as a speculative attitude towards Princess Carolyn, Princess Carolyn is something that we know within the two years we've been watching these two, she can factually back up. Yeah. Like, everything she's saying, we've got the hard evidence of. Whereas the things that Bojack's firing at her are very much his opinions and his takes, maybe, on Princess Carolyn. Um, he sums it up, though, in a way that mirrors something he said to Diane earlier in the show. He says, I don't like being around you because you make me feel bad. Um, and that is the point at which it's clear that it's so much more than just a professional relationship. He's trying to confront the issues with here. Um, she takes that quite not quite poorly, but she takes that more to heart than the actual firing itself. She goes mm-hmm. back off the toilets to think, uh, but Bojack follows her in to continue the conversation, which obviously she gets a bit of a shock. She's gone to the women's bathroom. Um, it comes up in conversation uh, that he had discussed this. Again, we go back to maybe thinking about what he's going to put on those cards. He has discussed this with Anna. Uh, we know of the sort of lingering jealousy between those two anyway, in both a professional and personal relationship to Bojack. Uh, but the lightning rod moment 
is uh, when she questions why that is, he says he because, quote, respects her opinion. She dives at him um, as a cat would. He's saying, pause, not claws, pause, not claws, to keep this fight comedic. But believe it, it is a fight. They're fighting all over the restaurant. She's attacking him across tables, across chairs, furniture's flying everywhere. Um, things calm down just enough for them to move the conversation to a meat freezer. Princess Carolyn says, you want a, you want a mommy that can slide, that you can slide your dick in and out of? Oh, great line, that's great line. To which Bojack replies with, a sex mommy who also keeps her boundaries. Is that too much to ask? Princess Carolyn notes that all the women Bojack has worked with are basically ones that he's tried to sleep with. She refers to him as a self-pitying masochist, um, and he sort of disputes that and challenges her on a comment that she's made that if she said 10 things about him that were nice, he'd still only pick up on the one that wasn't. Uh, so she begins listing off these 10 things in a meat freezer. So think about everything that's been said between these two. Think about, as we say, the facts that Princess Carolyn has given him, even in the heat of a row, the opinions, a lot of them flawed, that Bojack has of his relationship with Princess Carolyn, the physical attack by Princess Carolyn that leads to him almost guilt-tripping her into list 10 things about him for the preservation of this ego. Well, what a journey. What an incredibly well-written and like deeply upsetting journey these two characters have taken in the space of what I've covered there is about two and a half minutes of this episode. Yeah. I mean, who the hell does he think he is? Do you think he worked for whatculture.com? <laughs> take, takes her into a freezer and then gets her to do a top 10 list. I just, uh, incredible. Like, he doesn't even have any... This isn't without a drop of irony, this either, when he's like asking her, after everything that's just happened, he's just fired her. We've just established, really, that, as you say, Princess Carolyn's got a lot she can hold against him, considering the fact he's the worst, the literal worst. <laughs> and yet, somehow, we still end up in a scenario where Princess Carolyn is now about to try and list off 10 things she loves about poor Jack Horseman. <laughs> How this man is just the worst. He's a monster. And yet, he still somehow has this hold. And it's still there for us to see. And, and it's yeah, just when you think Princess Carolyn's having a moment to get away from it all, obviously the Anna Spanakova thing being the thing that sets her off. Because let's be honest, it's there, isn't it? It's always there with Bojack. It's complicated. We saw the same when it was Diane, when she was back in the hot seat back in the day. Uh, we saw the same with Wanda as well, of mm -hmm. course, in season two. And no, no surprises, it's the same kind of jealousy and the same confused feelings yeah, we've got towards Anna Spanakova. But... As it is, man, it's just, you just, you know, when you've got a friend who just can't let go of this one thing and you just want to slap them silly, if you could just reach into the screen and just like <laughs> shake Princess Carolyn and tell her how much better she is in all of this, you really would, wouldn't you? It's just, it's just quite impressive that, like I say, the, the dexterity of the writing, mm. which is in effect the dexterity of, would, I don't know, would we, would we call this, dare we call this a, like a form of coercive control? It feels borderline abusive on Bojack's yeah. part. Monster, oh, monster yeah, was a great choice of word there. There is, an, there is a nature of this relationship that unfortunately has died in the wall at this point. And it's so... Obviously, we can discuss the crossover between personal and professional, and we'll get to more of it in this episode, and how that can, like, poison the well, as it were. But there is a toxic element to this that mirrors what we know of studies done on abuse in relationship, on broken power dynamics in relationships. And it's all laid bare here in the manner in which they arrive at that 
ludicrous top 10 list request. Again, she's making a very important point, uh, a lived in point about Bojack's mental health, about his emotional well-being. And he's somehow convinced her to get going on the 10 things that she likes about him. It's, it's pretty gross, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. There's no other way to shape it. Uh, back in the kitchen, the waiter is having an absolute nightmare. Um, it's brilliant. This, this is the traditional sitcom distraction subplot. If you've ever watched a very serious episode of a sitcom, uh, where I would, the one that always springs to mind for me is Friends. The big Ross and Rachel argument that it occasionally cuts to all the other friends trapped in a room eating wax, eating leg wax, effectively. Um, this is Bojack again, playing with the rules of a sitcom, but it's Bojack Horseman, so it's better than things you like, better than Friends. And in this case, it just takes this re- like deliciously weird Bojack t- uh, turn, where the chef, the now the chef who was once the waiter, is just struggling with everything that's going mad. One of the customers from the restaurant comes in to complain about her food being late, and how she's got a very important work presentation in the morning, how her children are going hungry. And the chef just makes her the waiter. She says, well, I'm sorry, you're the waiter now. And because it's and because it's Bojack Horseman, she just accepts the role as if the success of the restaurant means absolutely everything to her. The important presentation she just will offload to her children, and we will get more of that in the episode later. Um, just a really, really tremendous way to again subvert what you would have expected about this traditional like sort of sitcom method of giving you the quick break, the quick let me up before we get back to the serious stuff. But back indeed to the serious stuff. Because meanwhile, in the meat freezer, the ice has melted somewhat. Hey. You've got Princess Carolyn and Bojack obviously halfway through this list. I think she says she's up to number six. Um, and he kind of the, the dynamic hasn't particularly changed. He guilt trips her. Uh, into saying just how much she likes spending time with him. Some absolutely fabulous hidden exposition in this line here. She says she doesn't regret the trip to the Bahamas or the bracelet he bought her for her 28th birthday or how he went to her dad's funeral and held her hand. Mm. Absolutely huge, huge character moments in this person's life that we've never seen revealed through conversation, more than through flashbacks, more than through the actual showing of the scene. Loved, loved the use of these very big life events or these very significant, like personal gifts, things of that nature. Bojack again tries to shift a bit of the blame away from himself. He says, I'm doing this for the both of us. Princess Carolyn at this point feels like she has nothing left to lose, goes all in saying, did you ever love me at all? And he just, again, kind of backs out the answer. I believe Bojack's honest when he says this, but he says, you know, I don't do the love thing. Either you end up hurting someone or they hurt you. So what's the point? Um, At this point, Princess Carolyn, again, has that moment similar to what she had outside Elefante, but she's a bit more, I don't know, a bit more thoughtful and a bit more pensive about it this time. She's saying, I've done this to myself. Why do I do this to myself? It's not so much blaming herself. It's maybe stopping and trying to like step out of herself and take a look at this relationship with Bojack and wondering why yet she hasn't maybe tried to assume some control. It's always Bojack, the one that seems to have the wheel. Um, she, she says it out loud. She says, why do I do this to myself? And then Bojack says, I don't know. I think you're good at putting out fires. Um, but if you just run from fire to fire and don't really think about and before he can finish his sentence, a massive fire has literally broken out in the restaurant itself. The chef bursts in into the meat freezer on fire with other flames in the kitchen behind <laughs> him in various different places. Um, 
Bojack and Princess Carolyn are obviously stopped short in the middle of their conversation to go and deal with quite literally putting out the fire. Um, the waiter, who of course was once a customer, uh, notices notes that all the other customers have left apart from the critic, who uh, still wants a mushroom risotto. Princess Carolyn offers to make it, but Bojack sternly tells her to go home. This is not a bollocking. This is not the way that he would talk to Goober in an episode of Horse and the Round. This is him actually trying to remember the back end of that conversation in the meat freezer. Go home because you should go home. Why are you doing this to yourself? I'm firing you for both of us. Yeah. There is an element of, I think there's an element of rational thought in that. It's not just, not entirely Bojack being a prick there, I don't think. Um, so yeah, he believes it's the right thing to do, and so does she. They shake hands, and she wishes Bojack good luck, and she finally walks out. And that, Adam Nicholas, is the end of the episode. Quite uh, yeah, emotional. Yeah, great episode, that. Really good. I'm uh, glad that is was it, the end of it. <laughs> Bollocks, mate, because they follow that with the biggest joke of the entire episode. Princess Carolyn is in her car <laughs> driving away and a song called Keep Driving Plays. It is perhaps the most delightful reference to the expositional radio songs in every car. Uh, and she's kind of getting gradually more irritated with these really corny lyrics about saying, keep driving, keep driving, don't turn the car around. The lyrics eventually finish on... Don't go back to the restaurant, Princess Carolyn. She has to turn the car around and go back to the restaurant. Magical stuff, this. Absolutely. Like, this is one of my favourite. We talk about these uh, songs quite a lot, and we did before we even came up with the idea to do this podcast. This is one of my, if not my favourite one, where they do this, where they take the trope and they just flip it on its head, but it's absolutely brilliant. We talk about how the show knows how to do the, the drag and the gag regardless of which way around they are. And just as we've had this moment where you think, you know, actually, this is probably good for everybody. They kind of, she just can't help herself. And and yet, the worst thing is, is that I think we kind of get it now. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of get it. Because as you mentioned, she gives us those three tiny, the rule of three, she gives us her little personal rule of three, those things that Bojack did for her, these yeah. wonderful memories she has with him. She knows inside there somewhere is a good little horse. And yes, it's just, he's just a massive piece of shit, isn't he? And it must be so frustrating for her because she knows it's in there somewhere. And yet, that's the reason she goes back because she knows after all that, they do kind of end up, finish that conversation amicably, don't they? There's, there's mm-hmm. respect and love there. And she still goes back. After all that, she could go home and it would be the end of this podcast, the end of that episode. But she just can't help herself, Michael. I tell you what I really loved about those particular three examples, again, that we were just given through the form of conversation, is that they saved that he went to her dad's funeral and held her hand to the very end. Uh, The Bahamas and the jewellery, if you chose to, you could read those as entirely superficial. We know one of the things that Bojack has got access to is unlimited wealth. Um, and those two could be if the, them two alone or a third one where maybe she he bought her a car or something like that that could just be that he was trying to buy her love to kind of keep her on the hook whatever it was through his money but then they use that last one to add gravitas to the first two all of a sudden you start picturing the bracelet as maybe having something engraved on it you start imagining the Bahamas trip to be this thing where he genuinely thought I'm going to commit to you and I'm going to prove this by having a two week holiday it wasn't about where they were going to go it was the mere gesture of doing it in the first place the the funeral one ties the whole thing together to mean so much more than the first two are individually and again i just thought it was really intricate details uh intricate details writing on the behalf of the, the whoever came up with those three particularly in that order yeah definitely and i think um i think the lovely thing that we also know about princess carolyn 
is that she has she has a pretty good memory and she but she also is a sentimental kind of character. Mm. She's not gonna remember those things if they weren't important. Like she wouldn't have been impressed if he was buying her things like for the sake of buying them. She'd only really be impressed if they had meaning and like something that she could put some sort of attachment to. So as you say, those first two may have may have sounded like they could have just been superficial kind of things, but then ultimately we know that she's not that cat. We know that she's she's smart enough to remember these things for what they are. And it just they really do give you a backbone for all of a sudden this guy who um would be happy if he got locked in the freezer and never got let out <laughs> ever again. Uh suddenly um kind of I understand why she's turned the car on. I would put that man in a Tesco's burger. And can you remember when that was the biggest thing this country had to be stressed about? Oh, <laughs> give me horse meat now instead of all this, what's going on right now. I'll take, I'll take a horse burger's crisis. There were um, no horses harmed in the meeting of this podcast. At the point, I'm just to clarify. There are also no horse burgers in the restaurant because Bojack and the chef are arguing about what oil to use, whether or not to use cooking oil or petrol. And uh, Princess Carolyn turns back up just before they blow elephante to smithereens. Um, Bojack begrudgingly accepts her help, uh, but does note, he says, quote, this isn't one of these things where you save my ass so I feel obligated to give you your job back. Again, I love the idea, much like with the radio, much like with this the chef subplot. They're playing with those sitcom rules and they're kind of they're showing you and telling you how this is going to play out and yet you are still like wrong footed by the daft directions they're going yeah. really really brilliant writing um meanwhile the uh the waiter uh keeps the critic uh in water and bosses the kids around to book conference rooms because that sort of c plot if you want to call it that is still ongoing uh back to the kitchen and bojack asks princess carolyn uh, how she can cook so well. She's making the risotto, obviously. Uh, she notes that her mother was an alcoholic living maid for a rich family. And because, obviously, of her problems with the drink, uh, she always had to cover for uh, her mother, lest the family go hungry or be kicked out on the streets. It's, uh, it's a pretty heartbreaking story. And just as you're thinking, hang on, Bojack, you dick. How did you not know that? He actually asks the question. How come we never told me that? Uh, Princess Carolyn says, I did. You just never remember anything. And then that obviously hurts more than you just even thinking. The fact that it gets said is much worse than the unsaid thought that Bojack might have not known that story, considering how close they've been. Um, he tries to counter that idea that he doesn't remember anything about their time together by a memory of a meet-cute about how they first met for the very first time. Talks about seeing her when she was still just an assistant at Vigor. Um, <laughs> but she instantly uh, proves him wrong, proves herself right, when it turns out that that was actually the third time they met. So even in his one example, he can't really show himself to have the truth that she brings. And the brilliant thing about that is that he literally quotes the fact that when they first met, she said it was nice to see him again. <laughs> <laughs> That's his memory. He has that in his memory. It's uh, that that sort of snaps him out of his yeah. of the one thing he thought he kind of held dear. Um, she tells him the story of their real first meeting. Uh uh, and heard uh, delivering a script when she was uh, an intern. Um, she gets to his house only to find him passed out and covered in tapioca pudding. We never find out why. Um, but we do see that Princess Carolyn, young Princess Carolyn, uh, hoses him down, pulls him inside and covers him with a blanket. She has been taking care of him from the very beginning. Uh, she starts to talk about how thankless it is being an agent in general. It kind of suggests that it's just thankless being his agent, but she keeps it general. I think the subtext is to protect his feelings more than anything else. She talks about how kind of like, just is it really worth it, all of this job? Um, Bojack then sort of asks why she does it. 
And she says, what else would I do? What else would I be? Again, if the subtext says that this is to do more with Bojack than the actual life of an agent, she's effectively defining her entire existence based on how much she is to Bojack. And considering tonight she's been fired, it only like puts more emphasis on how important this role is to her. How important, not so much just the role, but this relationship with Bojack is to her. Uh, Bojack says, as she's just about to finish the risotto, I do love you, by the way. As much as I'm capable of loving another person, which is never enough, I'm sorry. Uh, gorgeously animated moment where kind of like Princess Carolyn freezes on the spot. I know it's funny to say that something could be well animated when this, the frame is standing still, but they somehow get her to emote in a way where she is trying to soak in so many thoughts all at once. The idea that he said, I love you, what he said after the fact, almost to try and put in a couple of qualifiers there to what an I love you from Bojack Horseman even means, but the fact that he said it, she goes, ta-da, and drops a bit of garnish on the risotto, um, as if really to say that the validation was incredible, not the risotto. But Bojack is none the wiser to that, of course, and on they go to take the risotto out. Before we get to like the, the third and final act of the episode, um, big moment there, of course, for Bojack to say, I love you to Princess Carolyn. Certainly the first time we've seen those words shared between these two characters, from Bojack's side at least. Um, and just all of that stuff about Princess Carolyn's rags to quasi-riches and her life as an agent, or more specifically her life on Bojack, it's again just more fabulous insight that you wouldn't think they'd have in the chamber at season three. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, and they still managed to peel away another layer that we weren't maybe expecting. Mm. And they give you those parallels, don't they, of um, Princess Carolyn's mom mm -hmm. working for rich people. Um, rich italian family i think it is isn't it and then yeah. you think like the irony that that was what our mom was doing and she's not too she's doing it in a very different way but she's working for a rich asshole as well <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately we hear like boja even acknowledges it he said hey that's kind of like a hell of a story like you came from that to now running your own company like we know how good princess carolyn is we've watched her grow we've we know how capable she is we are given uh, examples time and time again especially the flashbacks we go back as far as nearly 10 years in this show 
and she's still as capable then as she is. And we go back even earlier to the nineties. She's still as capable then. This is a hard working cat, Michael. She's a hard working <laughs> cat. It's fair to say. But to hear Borja actually telling someone else he loves them, albeit yes, you might say qualifiers. But I've heard somewhere that sincerity is quite scary. So <laughs> I think him. This is about as close as we're going to get. And as you say with the animation, I love the way they did this. She pauses, but then they do this. She does a big beam and smile, like. He, he can't see it, but it's a big beam and smile. This is validation. Then it turns to a side smirk of her trying to like downplay it and just be cool about it. And then it turns into her turning around to say ta-da because she's made the risotto and gives it to Borja. Just everything about it is wonderful. And and again, as much as it makes me angry, we understand more why she hasn't just punched this horse in the face, kicked him in the dick and been done with it. I think that's it. I love on this show, and we've said this before, but like the writers almost feel like sometimes they're trying to set themselves a challenge. Like mm. how how much of a piece of shit can we make Bojack Horseman before trying to write it in a way where sympathy is not the right word, but where you've got a bit of understanding and acceptance of why he is the way he is. And it's as if they want to raise the stakes when they do an episode like this. They're not afraid like it's, I think in uh, Friends is always a really good example to go back to because in sort of post-script analysis of Friends, as that show gets older and older, modern contemporary analysis can make villains of characters that were once seen as heroes with mm. some like quite rational defence for those those sort of assessments as well. But never, ever in that show would they ever have a character be so villainous that they couldn't pull them back from the brink within yeah. sort of 25, 30 minutes and this is the show, like, you have no idea how they do that in this, how they can kind of, like, from the first things that we've said and seen about him in this episode to get to this point where you're kind of rationalising who he is. You're not you're not forgiving him, but you're trying to accept him. And you're, if anything, there's a bit of Princess Carolyn in you. You're trying to take him for who he is and understand it. I think it's pretty remarkable. I wonder how many, um, like, mental health experts or psychiatrists or people they've consulted with to get this right because it just feels so lived in it really does feel lived in like it's it and i love the way that you've hit the nail on the head there we end up somehow we are princess carolyn by the end of this episode we are from exactly her perspective like why are we still here why are we still following this horse why are we still, <laughs> why are we still putting up with him it's like season three now and we're still going and by the end of the episode we know why because mm because we've seen enough glimpses to show us there is something there that's worth maybe trying to salvage. Well, speaking of salvage, the risotto and the critics' reception might have been salvaged, Nicholas, because the group are now crowded around as the critic finishes the risotto. Um, I want to say as well, ridiculously pantomime-hammed voice by Alison Brie, who obviously got the show off got this episode off as Diane and was given the critic to play and just rips the piss out of things with this voice. It is absolutely fantastic. Every comedic interlude in this episode is perfectly measured and her voice has to have to feel is another attempt at doing just that, another let me up from the very serious stuff that happened between Princess Carolyn and Bodak. Um, she loves the food, but as it's been such an awful night, obviously, with the fights and the fires and whatnot, um, she gives them her, her lowest ever rating, which is 412 stars out of a possible billion. When uh, Bojack questions how that can possibly be, uh, she points out that's the rubric for her Tumblr. Samantha goes to restaurants, undermining just about every element of the critic angle in this episode. Yeah. 
the whole critic in a sitcom or in a film is that there's this big weight of expectation and oh no we've got to get the food right and then when they reduce and this is not a knock on bloggers or food bloggers or food critics of any description but when they reduce samantha here to merely having a tumbler every single character size and angle oh. size, as if this was a complete waste of their time to have to worry about satisfying a food blogger then one of the waiters uh <laughs> one of the waiters children confirms that he's managed to get the meeting room for his mother obviously for this very big important work presentation she's got tomorrow which we learn is about getting babies addicted to vaping so again the characters look on thinking oh, should we really try to get that woman's own little issues over the line all the subplots are just tossed away so magnificently yeah. in a fantastic bojack horseman silliness um, <laughs> the chef says he needs to go to the Burns unit to get his Burns looked at, so he's off to the ER. Again, leaving Princess Carolyn and Bojack Horseman in that way that television shows rather neatly do. It all ends up the characters who you want to see in the location over a couple of drinks. It's that like empty bar thing that a television show just good off. Um, it's kind of like if you imagine, I don't know, like the 2004 remake of Alfie when they're playing pool, something like that. Anyway, it turns out that the uh, as they're sort of sharing drinks over the bar and they're the last two in there, um, we finally find out about the second time they met, that one missing meet in between Bojack and Princess Carolyn. Princess Carolyn was at a horse and a round taping, which yeah. gives you the, the ridiculous visual gag where the washing machine in the kitchen is flooded because Sarah Lynn's filled it full of uh, detergent or something like that. Uh, but guest star Nancy Reagan turns up with two plunges <laughs> save the day. Uh, we see young Princess Carolyn going backstage, uh, keen to introduce herself, obviously new to the scene in Hollywood. Uh, but all Bojack said to her was, and I should point out this is her memory because he has forgotten it, uh, yeah. he was too tired from pretending to be nice all night and she needed to leave him alone. Uh there's a lot coming up here, um, which I've tried to get down as much dialogue as possible. So just before we get to that, um, what would you take on a bit more horsing around? It's always nice to go back to that world. The daft subplots getting nicely tied up, all that like all that extra sequence stuff to kind of give you that last breather because you know you're going to come in for another uphill struggle. Yes, I think a bit of much-needed comic relief probably around this time because um, mm. it's been it's been like a, it's a fascinating episode. This, but it does get quite heavy at, at points, and mm. it, you know, especially how personal they get with one another uh, really, really does tap into it. But I have to say, I loved, I absolutely loved the food critic angle turning it the way it was, and the only way I can really summarize this perfectly is the way that she walks off. Alison Brie, you you nailed it here. Gets it so right. And as she walks off, she says that the animated gifts I'm going to use to describe <laughs> this experience, she says. And I just never have I wanted to tell someone to lower their voice a lot more, please, because it was too close to home to how my life currently operates, I think, in this end of the world time. Um, but also on top of that, I think you're absolutely right. This little dabble into the horse and around moment with the detergent and the overflowing of everything and Nancy Reagan genuinely a big needed laugh i think in a time where we're no where we kind of know that these two are the need to kind of unwind after really really letting each other well pretty much have it at this point yeah i think all what i really appreciate about this was that it's almost like um it didn't need to play at the convention of tying up the loose ends and it sort of did anyway but obviously again to sort of discuss the purpose of it for what we're about to get to it it's it's even better after the next sort of 10, 20 seconds of the episode, you realise upon 
as, as we're doing now recording a podcast or watching this episode more than once, just why they're there. And I think they're there to be appreciated result. It's, it's part of the art. Um, it turns out, yeah, so um, they're kind of back, uh, sat at the bar again, just the two of them. Um, he calls himself a jerk and she agrees, but then follows up with what I've got in my notes is probably the most honest, positive character profile of Bojack by another character that we've ever heard. We've seen before when it's often Diane or it's often, I think Kelsey's done it as well. It's To be honest, it's usually like insightful females who should have a voice on a character like Bojack Horseman. Yeah. They give him, they kind of assess a significant part of his psyche. Um, but more often than not, it skews negative because Bojack obviously is an explosion. It's a fireworks factory of negative traits. Um, but Princess Carolyn, being Princess Carolyn in the tone of this episode, instead in response to him being a jerk, while agreeing goes positive. She says, yeah, but you're honest, straightforward, not fake nice, and you don't beat around the bush. She continues, she says, your heart is tender, but you protect it from people. Uh, but sometimes you open up a wall and it's incredible. You're doing the best you can, considering your asshole parents. You've got a great taste in art and that pink spot on the end of your nose is just adorable. You let me help you tonight because you knew I needed it. You did it for me, which was very sweet. It's uh, a big one because what she's doing there, of course, is assessing him not all for the good, but for the reasons why he's bad when it's not for the good. And in a brilliant, brilliant summary of this episode, of their relationship, of 10 years, of everything, she still can't keep the professional from getting personal. She still can't keep it about one thing without it becoming another. And to end on the spot on his nose, to end on kind of rewarding his bad behaviour, thank mm -hmm. you for doing that thing, you did that thing for me. It is everything in a microcosm, all of it. It's it's a gorgeous speech, um, but it's loaded with the pathos that we've come to expect. Absolutely. It's wonderful to hear because to this point, I think you nailed it on the head there when you said this might just be the most honest and sort of, but kind, I guess, take on mm -hmm. Bojack we've had. And I think it's us. It, again, it's us. It's like we, because we get all the flashbacks. We get to see everything. We understand why he is the way he is. It doesn't make it right, but we understand it to a certain extent. No matter how low he tends to go, we always, uh, we can kind of accept that it's, He's a product of his environment sometimes, which is unfortunate for him. But you're right. I think it. I loved this bit, but I also felt an overwhelming sense of dread because the cycle had just repeated itself. In the end, where did we end up? We end up with the Princess Carolyn, who can't help but boop Bojack on his nose when she talks about his nose, which is obviously like quite a tender and personal thing to do to someone. The old nose boop. <laughs> <laughs> And then, as you say, it's kind of the way she ends it. It's like she's thanking him. She's mm. saying thank you to him because because of partly her better nature, but also Pavlov's cat. <laughs> it's like she's it's, she's been conditioned this way, and ultimately that's how we ended. And the power dynamic from the very start of the episode remains in place. Um, kind of as a result of that, she says after kind of letting that moment between the two of them breathe, she uh, asks if they are friends. And he kind of you know, says, of course we are. How, you know, how could he not after what he's just heard? But she says, she kind of dives in on that. Okay, as a friend, I'm asking you, please don't leave me. I can turn this around. 
I just need more time. Just give me six months and then you can go. I promise I'll never ask for anything again, but please just give me six months. It's huge. It's hefty. So, of course, the tension is broken up briefly by the chef returning because he's forgotten his jacket and taking that wonderful Bojack Horseman horse years worth of time just to try and get his coat. You are left lingering on Princess Carolyn's last desperate request while you hear all that background comedy noise, the one last interlude, the one last interjection. He finally gets his coat. He's on his way to the Burns unit. After that eternity, Princess Carolyn warmly asks, so what do you think? Bojack says, no. And we hit the credits. Oh, man. Oh, I mean, I have to be honest, watching it, there's never been a time when I watched this episode, even from the very beginning, where my brain was like, he's going to say it. Okay. Like, because it's Bojack. He's an arsehole. He's an absolute <laughs> arsehole. But I have to tell you that little interjection where the waiter slash chef <laughs> slash man on fire has returned to come and get his jacket. They hold the shot. It's a long shot of the bar. It's Bojack. You can see the door. It's everything. It is painfully excruciatingly slow this as well <laughs> and to end it the way they do you've this show is very good at cutting the damn credits quickly once the final word has been said mm-hmm. i think this might be the fastest because we have that long wait and then he says no and we slip me bam straight into the end credits no time to really get your head around it imagine if it was a weekly show you had to watch like that oh, <laughs> like God. hanging off the end of that I but just... yeah the feeling oh. of dread was it was there and it was real well, there's two things, obviously. For a change, he's not bullshit. We yeah. go back go back now to the quote in the kitchen. Um, don't think that this is going to lead to you getting your job back. He's, it's there in plain sight, and yet it still wrong foots her just as much as it wrong foots us. I felt, with that no, that elevated this episode to an all-timer. And look, like I'll be the one to say it because it's the ghost at the feast. This is episode nine. We're two away from an episode 11. And anyone that's listened to every episode of this podcast, everyone that's ever seen Bojack Horseman, knows that we are approaching an episode 11. We are approaching some difficult times, some choppy waters. Um, So that means occasionally the episode threes or the episode nines or the episodes whatever's get missed as the classics. That no puts this in the Champions League for me. And it has to be, it has to be for the benefit of the plot, for the benefit of the characters, for the way this show is going to move forward and uh, reference everything from their histories. Had to be a no. Had to break your heart, but you kind of like your heart getting broken by Bojack Horseman in the same way Princess Carolyn does. And this put this way over the top for me. I love this episode. If you are watching this episode and you aren't interested in having your heart broken, I feel like you've been watching the wrong show for quite (laughs) some time and should probably adjust accordingly. I've heard Rick and Morty's quite good at this time of year. Um, But (laughs) ultimately, I think you're absolutely right. This, this, the heartbreak, yeah, the absolute God damn heartbreak. And the it, it's it's a necessary evil, this, I think. As much as it made me hurt and as much as I, I knew it was coming and as much as you kind of, you are rooting for Princess Carolyn, in the end, I do wonder if he's doing the right thing for him and her uh, by holding off strong. It's hor- it was horrible to see Carolyn go from looking like she's found some peace to Princess Carolyn, let's address it correctly, go like, look like she's looking like she's found some peace in the moment to suddenly feeling desperate and trying to like that one last, you know, heal Mary or heal Carolyn in this situation, trying <laughs> to get the final thing from Bojack. But I think you're right. He does need to say no to this. He needs in he's 
it remains true to himself. Yes, it's a piece of shit thing to do, but ultimately, in the end, for everybody involved, I do think that that no, as horrible as it is, is probably the right thing. <laughs> it's the right thing, right? It's right? the right. It's the right thing yeah. for the television viewer, if not if the one that wears the heart on his sleeve. Yeah. Can we Close. take that? Can we can we compromise on that for the benefit of our souls? Like the, I think, I so, think we so we to. can sleep at night. Like I think we kind of have to, don't we, at this point? <laughs> um, I assume that that is the end of our heartbreak. That is us. There was no other Hollywood stars and celebrities. We don't know what they know. We'll never find out. There were none to feature here. Excellent. Well, I'll give JD a call later on and see what he has to say. <laughs> But until then, perhaps I could possibly interest you in some horsing around for this week's mm. episode. That's the part of the show where we go back to the very beginning of the episode and we go through all of it to find all the things you might have missed, all the hidden meanings behind certain things, the Easter eggs, and all that good stuff. So, we are going to go all the way back, Michael, to 2007. <laughs> of course we are. We've got to go back all the way to the very beginning. And Variation Magazine. And I'll be honest, when I first opened this episode, this was the longest part of my goddamn day. <laughs> this article is so long, and I was dreading this episode, and then realised what episode it was. A bottle episode, and it sucks to be you. Um, so, we go to, as Michael mentioned, we saw Princess Caronimus reading Variation Magazine. Let me just give you the breakdown of this full page. And I tell you now, it's a massive pile of bollocks, this. <laughs> <laughs> So the head and reads, Bojack Horseman show takes dump in the ratings, of course, a reference to him taking a literal dump on the VHS copy of Horsing Around at the very beginning of the Bojack Horseman show. <laughs> then we get to the prose, the text, the meat of it all. Let me just try and get through this without losing my train of thought because these words, I don't know where they've got them from, but here goes. <clears throat> Laugh as a loser, as right as streak loo Right as strike looms. Will net pull skem from sked? Time will, t time will tell if this snoozer can become a sleeper hit. But for now, it seems to be more of a yawner. Too odd for the odd and no clicks with the cricks who hope execs in business quick. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even halfway yet. What? Despite, despite bad buzz, show preemed socko, but sampled blotto... <laughs> As fans were boffo bow. Solens at Webb in a huddle over how to stitch or ditch horsemen, something we can't read, mm -hmm. considered something we can't read, to pitch above something Moppet Sitch. <laughs> <laughs> that is about halfway. Um, word is heavy, retooling led what was once a game-shifting dramedy into a pit of poorly penned and pitifully perfed bathos as path pathos and a put pilot deal with something we can't read. Scribbler cuddly whiskers, cuddly whiskers as prod shingle dashed hopes to, quiet, <laughs> to quietly reshuffle the card back into the into the net deck. Sources spill big brass, not eager to double down and re up after initial six ep odd. Big black eye for all involved and raises new and troubling questions about top liner horsemen whose performance can only be described as perverse and often baffling. <laughs> In the midst of all that, it was broken up by a pull quote that just said, glad I'm not that sure, says the creator of Cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody who doesn't know, 
Caveman was an American sitcom that aired on ABC from October the 2nd to November the 13th of 2007, and it only lasted one season. And I just thought I'd pull from these quotes here because it was critically savaged and dubbed Extinct on Arrival by Adam Buckman of the New York Post. So that's how bad this was. And just to give you one last thing there, as if all of that wasn't enough, there's a tiny advert in the corner that is for Sebastian Sinclair's department store as he's selling his patented muffs for $24.99 each. Michael Hamlet, that was only one of the biggest parts of this. Do you even know what half of that means? (laughs) I don't. Do you know what I I wouldn't have even thought to pick up? And I'm really glad this referenced it. I love the use of the writer's strike. Yeah. Love that specific period of time. time, time, That's brilliant. That is superb. The rest of it, I I don't take a guess on. Fantastic. I will let you all make of that what you will. I apologise for my tones trying to translate that, but my word, what a pile of <laughs> Anyway, moving swiftly on to Bojack's house. Quick little reference here, thankfully not like that. Uh, we see when Princess Carolyn turns up, he's covered in a bunch of different bits. One of them includes a pizza box that is on his head. Michael, you will have noticed that the pizza uh, company he's ordered his pizza from was Papa Lil John's Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> of Little John fame, of course. Okay. And on the box it says, yeah, cheese, cheese, cheese. <laughs> Which I just thought was wonderful. Sure. Uh, it's usually pig, pigarinis or something, or pigaroni's pizza, mm. I think it normally is. Anyway, uh, so we go to Elefante, where we will spend the majority of this episode. We're in the dining area. And Sandro, as you've mentioned, keeps coming up with these wonderful things throughout the episode where he gets turns of phrase wrong. The Italian stereotype, the American, mix them together. He gets a whole bunch of them wrong. As I mentioned earlier, he says to Bojack, as the blacker guy Peter say, tonight's going to be a good night. <laughs> <laughs> of course, referencing Black Eyed Peas in their song, Feel, what is it? I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. There you go. Uh, Another little quick tidbit. The donkey family who are eating uh, dinner in the restaurant, I just thought it was wonderful because they're all just sat eating bales of hay on their plates. (laughs) They've been stocked up with before they're about to say grace and they say, now let us bow our heads and bray, Michael. Not bray. Bray because they're donkeys before they all shout. (laughs) And that's why uh, they were as donkeys. Oh, that's why <laughs> bunch of asses, Michael. <laughs> uh, one of the kids as well, that the donkey kid is wearing a T-shirt that just says, fall with an exclamation mark. I saw that. Followed by a soccer ball below it, like as if it was goal. I thought that was wonderful. So stupid. No reason for that whatsoever. Uh. And brilliantly, Michael, you may have noticed in the background, uh, our good friend, the man in the flat pea cap and the mm. flannel shirt, is there having dinner with someone you might have noticed well that's someone michael is someone we've met before that someone is indeed veronica the peer who you may remember from the episode season two episode eight where we had the first ever episode of hollywood stars and celebrities what do they know do they know things let's find oh, out of course, she yes. is the unfortunate bird woman who keeps getting hit by doors on her yes. on her evening there and interestingly this is Another brilliant layer from Bojack Horseman because this is a relationship that, that, that may well have started in that episode because as she gets hit by the door the second time, I believe she's in the middle of a conversation with this very man in wow. the door and maybe that's where this relationship starts and now they have advanced the stages to having dinner together and wine. And wouldn't brilliant. it be right that it doesn't, it doesn't quite work out for Veronica because <laughs> as Sandro is going mad, 
He grabs a fork full of spaghetti and meatballs and he dunks it in her glass of wine. <laughs> because that's what, what Veronica gets in this world. In the middle of this rant, of course, Sandro gives us another wonderful turn of phrase where he says he's going to cut off a Yenoza and throw a Sprite in your face. <laughs> <laughs> it is just brilliant. Absolutely love this. Top to bottom. Fantastic. We go into the kitchen of Elefante. There are a bunch of books on the back shelf that you will notice. Some brilliant ones, yeah? All the ones you'd want to see that would fill you full of confidence in a chef's kitchen. We get Make Food Hot is a wonderful book they have. We have How to Cook Hot Dogs. We have No Rougrets, as in R-O-U-X, which I thought was brilliant. We have The Big... I nearly said the swear word we're not allowed to say on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We also got... The big, booth, uh, the big Book of Broths, the fifth edition, by Philip Brother. <laughs> or Brother, I guess it depends how you want to read it. There's also a book called The Taste of Fusion. Before we get to the next book, The Big Book of Brisks, Michael, by that famous sci-fi author, Philip K. Bisk. A <laughs> <laughs> um, bunch of ingredients I just found funny on the top as well. Didn't really inspire much. We got some agar, we got some red dye, we got some <laughs> texture. And bean pulp. Oh, <laughs> all sounds wonderful. And for anybody who's paying attention, at one point in the episode, a little bit of trivia here, Michael, because we don't like to point out that the show does make the odd mistake, but mm. if any eagle eyed viewers, you will notice that randomly, uh, above the, I believe it's above the texture box that we see, the little jar full of texture, randomly, as we cut scenes, an incredible tub of four garlic appears that was not there before, literally yeah. seconds after, where obviously they maybe forgot to put it in the scene and has turned up. Sorry, RBW, I'm not trying to point out the bad things, but we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we point Quite right. everything. Quite right. And we know there's people out there who like need and everything in this yeah. show because I'm one of them. Um, we go <laughs> to the elephant dining area once again. We go back there. We get a quick gag here of two slugs who are at the bar having a drink together, Michael. But they're both drinking margaritas, and of course, as they drink the margaritas, they've got salt on the outside of the glass, and they both start to froth from the mouth. <laughs> they are, of course, slugs who are not great with salt. Um, we go up to the freezer in Elephante now, and again, more things that don't inspire. Bojack really hasn't been taking care of this place, because inside here yeah, we see a bunch of different things. we got a bag of new peas, which has a little label on that says 70, 78% old peas. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bag of gelatin sticks, which sounds delicious. Mm. A box of moist salt, which sounds even better. Some liquid MSG, some spicy sauce pasta. Oh, sorry, spicy sauce paste, I should say. Mm. And then a lovely jar, my favourite of the lot, of veal tears. Just because you never know when they're going to come in handy. Um, Baby cow. (laughs) Baby cow. (laughs) In Elefante's kitchen, last couple of things here. As we go in, the new chef the new head chef, sorry, the kid who's progressed from waiter to head chef to man on literal fire at points in this episode. Uh, you mentioned he was whole, it was the difference between olive oil and petrol. But I think if you were looking closer, Michael, you will notice that he's holding a very specific thing in his other hand because he's holding, <laughs> he's got a bottle of olive oil, he's got a bottle, I think a bottle, of thyme and says, we have to choose, we're running out of time. <laughs> As he panics about which oil to use, Brilliant stuff there. Although it doesn't quite fit, but I'll tell you what, I'll let them I like off. That gag. I like that. Great episode. And Bojack, finally, just a little observational bit of humour, because, of course, Princess Carolyn is a cat. And what does he say to Princess Carolyn? Hey, I'm not worried. Princess Carolyn always lands on her feet, Michael. 
much like a cat. Those, believe it or not, are all of your host arounds for this week. We try to get through them as fast as possible. Sorry, because that variation article completely and utterly took <laughs> out of me and you and everybody else. But that's Bojack Horseman, and it's better than the show you like. But we wouldn't be doing an episode of Podcast Horseman unless we gave you one last thing. And then I swear to God, we will shut up about this podcast forever. Michael, have you got one that you'd like to share with us? I do. Yes, I do. Would you like to go first, then? Go on, then I'll go first. Go on, you go so, first. As we sort of talked about in the episode, um, it ends with a kind of conventional comedic crescendo where all the major plots, A, B and C, if you can even call them B and C, all kind of come to an end at a relatively similar time. And I just loved that we had um, three happy endings that weren't the no. Again, to go back to the no, it wasn't just foreshadowed in Bojack literally telling Princess Carolyn, you are not going to get your job back. It was foreshadowed by the two resolutions of the plots that came before it. Um, the restaurant critic does not matter because yeah. it's, a, it's a tumbler and it's 412 stars out of a billion. <laughs> the woman who has got the conference room she wanted, the presentation is going to go ahead. It's for vaping for babies. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so good. Princess Carolyn has sold herself to Bojack. Finally, everything's going to be all right. No, it's not all right. It's fine. And I'm going to call that the cruel of three. Oh, very good. Very good. If we were making money, you'd be earning it right about now. <laughs> because to set you up one after another after another for the, as I say, the happy endings, as it were, and for none of them, none of them at all to be happy. It's the, the no is hiding in plain sight for all of the 27 minutes this episode is. It's up there from the very beginning. And yet you are still knocked off your chair with the delivery of it at the very last second. It's magnificent. So yes, I'll uh, I'll get the uh, I'll get the trademark on that term pretty quickly before somebody steals it and we get sued. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. And also, I guess it makes this the worst thing that ever happened. Probably not the worst thing that ever happened in the grand scheme of things. But the title of this episode may be misleading or maybe not. Who yeah. knows? But I tell you what was pretty damn good, Michael, was my one last thing for this week. And that is that during all the madness, yeah, there was a lovely thing that was unfolding in the background throughout the conversations that Bojack was having with Princess Karen. As we normally see when we're sitting at Elephant Day, the little TV that is above the bar that is always visible, there's always mm. something going on in there. And it was no different this time. If you were paying attention, you will have noticed between a few different interviews going on and then finally some shots from within the actual courtroom, we were bearing witness on the screens to, on the TV, the court case that was taking place, presumably, was the prosecution of one Mr. Goober and all of the things involved with the whale world controversy <laughs> from season three, I believe it's season three, episode three, Bojack Kills, where we see Richie Osborne, to call him by his proper name, um, and obviously he gets arrested by the police. Well, in the background and different bits of flashbacks, we oh, flashbacks, different little clips, should I say, we see the court case unfold and it goes from interviewing people from the whale world, to some of the dancers, to suddenly we see him in court in the jumpsuit. He's obviously trying to fight his case. And I just thought, what a wonderful callback that was to kind of show that everything matters in this show, no matter how stupid, in an episode where literally almost nothing matters in the end. Um, <laughs> because the inevitable was always going to happen. In the background, we did see that justice can be served still every now and again, maybe. Big Possibly. 
really like that. Just I the love idea the, the world is happening. I love any show Indeed. where the world is happening, regardless of what we're yeah. seeing of it. Everything matters. And Bojack Horseman is better than the show you like. And on that note, let's just give our podcast that is maybe better than any podcast you like. <laughs> I mean, it's not for me to say. It really isn't. That's for you to say. By all means, tweet me that. I'm going to be a nice weekend. <laughs> but if you would like to do anything of that nature, getting in touch with us about the podcast, letting us know your thoughts, or you just want more, you want more Podcast Horsemen, then you can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. And if you want more than that, if you're that crazy, you can also come and follow either myself or Michael Hamflet on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. We would love you to subscribe to this podcast. You can do so through Apple Podcasts. We'd love to follow it on Spotify if you want. We'd love to subscribe on Acast. You can listen to the podcast every Friday when it gets uploaded to the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. Basically, anywhere at this point you can find podcasts, you can find us. Amazon as well. Mustn't forget the new lads in town. Don't know if you've heard them. Small company. They're trying to get off the ground with some podcasts. So go and try Amazon for podcasts if you want. Um, yeah, we're everywhere at this point, which is great. Amazon Music, that is, by the way. I've just been currently informed by me. Amazon, Amazon yeah, so don't go searching for us on Prime. Uh, we, won't arrive 20, <laughs> we won't arrive 24 hours later. You're going to have to wait Not seven yet. more days. Not <laughs> but um, all right, everywhere you can get your podcast from, uh, we would love, obviously, to leave any feedback, any star ratings, all of that stuff through all the mechanisms and whatever podcast app you're at. It's just massively helpful. Every podcast you ever listen to has begged you for this, and we are no different. We want to be up in charts. We want to be getting downloads. It's all great stuff. Um, so, yes, but thank you for your support to everybody so far that has listened and, indeed, left feedback normally. We would read out a piece of feedback, uh, one of the reviews that we get, one of the very kind five-star reviews to induct somebody into our Hollywood talk of fame, where one lucky listener gets their very own star. But for season three, we have been doing that for retweets. As a reminder, if you uh, retweet the episode link that's posted out every Friday on the App Podcast Awesome Twitter feed, you stand the chance of going into our weekly random draw to be entered into this very special season three Hollywood talk of fame. And as is tradition, I've got them in the tumbler in front of me. I've got my snare drum to my left, and we are ready with a drum roll. Oof! Just dropped to my knees like in Saturday Night Fever. This week's Hollywood Talk of Fame member is Adam Blair at Adam Wilton. I know from your avatar, Adam, that you are already in the Hollywood Talk of Fame for a five-star review from having a look at your wonderful star. But thank you very much for your retweet to last week's episode, especially because you were willing to alienate all of your followers by sharing it with a quote tweet that simply said, happy Friday, dumb shits. So anyone that doesn't <laughs> know well, Jack Horseman might well have unfollowed you for that. Thank you for making the sacrifice of the goodies podcast. Your second Hollywood star is on its way to you through the socials soon. Yes, and it will be there soon. As I can be bothered to. That'll be, <laughs> and it could be 2020, it could be 2021. Who knows? Who knows at this point? That's great. I, they've, got, they've got to keep listening. That's the trick, isn't it? It's like they just do. Back next week. That's uh... What you've got to do is keep listening, keep checking the old streams mm. on Twitter and Instagram, and you never know, it might just pop up. But one thing I can guarantee you will pop up right about now is, no, Michael, not like that, you rude boy. What I'm talking <laughs> about is the Netflix synopsis for the next episode of BoJack Horseman. And we are on season three. Episode 10, getting dangerously close to that, number 11, as we always dread and fear. This one is called It's You, um, and the synopsis is as follows. Mr. Peanut Butter announces the Oscar nominee. Oh, drama, drama. Bojack surrounds himself with admirers, but his friendships are falling apart, Michael. That is not ideal, and I'm sure <laughs> will lead to quite a few bits of disaster, undoubtedly, but 
if you would like to find out about that and what happens on next week's episode of Bojack Horseman and next week's episode of Podcast Horseman, then you'll have to come back next week, won't you? In the meantime, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. 